0: Well, hello my friends. Welcome to another edition of Pensa Politics, Mr. Watson. I am your host as always, Christian Watson. It is good to be with you guys today. It is wonderful to be here with you guys. And yes, I am in desperate need of a shave. I just woke up. But um I've been I- I've been thinking about this show for a while. And uh the reason I am on a show for the few days of the week is because things have just developed so fast. And I prefer, rather than having what they call hot takes, uh, which I would just call haphazard opinions that uh, oftentimes don't stand the test of time, rather than having those, i rather have a holistic viewpoint on an issue. So I'd rather be like the ruler and the prince in the sketchers image. Who is on top of the mountain and can see everything, rather than who is down in the fields and can only see part of what is going on. Now, I don't want to be like the Machiavellian principle that ruled or anim- is animated by the principle of perhaps violating people's freedom, um, all to conquer them, all these things. I don't want to be that, but I do want to be as holistic in my epistemological pursuits as possible. So, I have not made a show, although I've made a few videos, because I just simply want to make sure that. When I give you commentary, you're getting the best that I've got. There's an old song by Anita Baker <laughs> called, called Giving You the Best That I've Got. Most of you who watch this show probably never heard of her or it, but it's a beautiful song. You know, It's about the perils of love and, 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 and expectation and, 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 and weighing your love and your expectation against societal opinions. And then at the end, she's just like, you know, I put everything on my writing ring. I'm giving you the best that I've got. Beautiful song. I just It amazes me just how often I cling to the past in my music. Because I oftentimes i am very skeptical of the past. But I cling to the past. And I think that is very important for all of us to understand. There is a role for tradition to play in shaping and molding our understanding of phenomenon that sprung from said tradition. It doesn't mean you have to be bound to tradition. It simply means you have to use it to understand things. And so, speaking of tradition and trying to understand it, this GameStop situation reflects a lot of these principles. People were talking about how this is some, called some revolution. Uh, Jacobin recently just said that this proves how stupid the stock market is. Jacobin, if you guys are not real aren't familiar, are the far-left, uh, socialist publication which likes to make absolutely terrible opinions. I just I don't understand how anyone can read them. Even if you're a socialist, their arguments are just notoriously poor and, and genuinely they are. Um, <clears throat> they like to they like to use any defect in the system, any flaw in the system, to say the system as a whole or the principle of the system is wrong, which of course is fallacious. <laughs> um, so this GameStop thing has just fueled. A lot of commentary. I read a piece on CNN.com the other day saying that this GameStop thing is akin to Trumpism. Like, I... I, I and, and it was... Uh, it, the arguments made no sense. Um, it, in fact, it's in, isn't it funny that some folks in the media will find any, any excuse to lambast the outgoing president? You don't even have to like the outgoing president to understand that he was a human being like anyone else. And that he is no longer in office anymore. Yet, they want to continue to lambast him far after his dominion over the executive branch is removed. That makes no sense to me. That makes no strategic sense. It makes no conceptual sense. It makes no sense to me. Yeah. So let's we'll talk about this GameStop thing and the principles and ideas underlying it. We'll also talk a little bit about the, this Great Reset business. Because there is a Great Reset. It's not a conspiracy theory. There is a Great Reset being orchestrated by several like-minded Um, administrators in several different countries that want to reshape and remold the post-COVID economy in the image of some sort of egalitarian, uh, universalist uh, utopia. That is what they want to do. And I'm going to give you the proof. I'm going to explain why Biden in particular is talking about doing this kind of stuff. And I'm going to explain the effects, because we're already seeing the effects. John Kerry had a press conference the other day. We're already seeing the effects of this kind of malicious thinking. So, we will talk about that and all and much more on this episode of Pensapolitics with Mr. Watson. So, guys, I must emphasize to you, on Saturday... Well, first of all, if you're a new viewer here, Pensapolitics is on multiple platforms. We are on every single platform that a podcast can be on. Podbean... Podchaser, um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Google, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to a podcast at, we are there, period. So, but the most important one I would say is Apple Podcast, given the review feature. So, if you guys could take a few moments and just subscribe to my podcast on Apple Podcasts, leave a review. It would mean a lot to me. Just search in Pensive Politics. We are also on YouTube. YouTube is where the video version of my podcast is taped. And if you could just subscribe to me on YouTube, Christian Watson, and rate this video, like this video, and do everything else on our podcast as well, it would mean a lot. We're trying to make sure this can be a holistic operation, firing on all cylinders. Because when you fire on all cylinders, you're much more efficient. You're much more, I would say, comprehensive than you would be otherwise. So I appreciate that immensely. We have Scott Baio coming up, my friends. The legendary actor from Happy Days, Charles in Charge, Johnny Loves Chachi, um, The Case of the Fiddle Fashion, C-Dad Run. uh, this He's an outspoken conservative. Scott Baio, ladies and gentlemen. Scott Baio. Uh, this show is growing. So we had Marianne Williamson on. A few days ago. And before I get into the news today, I might re- I might as well reflect on that interview. So, Marianne... She didn't want to share the interview. After it was done. I asked her, I said, Marianne... Or, Miss Williamson, because I'm, I'm respectful. I said, Miss Williamson, would you consider possibly sharing the interview? She said, at first, Oh, sure. Then she stopped herself. Oh, wait, 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 wait. If I felt like I did good, I'll share the interview. If I felt like I did good. Ladies and gentlemen, I understand there is a aversion to not performing your best or not living up to your expectations. I get that there is this aversion to that. I get it. And this aversion is something that I think is quite concerning. Because it doesn't allow, and I'm not accusing Marianne, I'm not having what I'm about to say, but it doesn't allow you to pursue a growth mindset. You have to understand life itself is nothing more than a prolonged process of growth. A sapling does not remain a sapling forever. It eventually becomes a bigger plant, like a tree. You know, apple seeds don't remain apple seeds forever. Caterpillars don't remain caterpillars forever. They flourish to become a butterfly. Life is beautiful, my friends. And when you understand that ontological truth, that life is simply nothing more than a prolonged process of growth. Even when you're in the ages where people might say, oh, you've grown enough. No, you haven't. That's society's standard. You have not grown enough. The ontological truth within you is that you need to keep growing. You need to keep moving. If an organism of any kind stops growing prematurely, or in any case, it dies. It perishes, and it's possible for a human being to die a premature death and still yet be living and walking around. It's possible. So when Marianne said to me, "If I felt like I did good, I would share it," a lot of thoughts hit my mind. I was up. I was a little bit concerned. I thought to myself, "Well, Christian, did you do? Did you do anything, Christian? Did you? Did you have an effect on her?" Did you do? I thought I was fair during the interview. I was holding back a lot because, you know, there's some things we don't agree on. And that's okay. But I was not going in debater mode because you guys know I'm a debater. I debate people. That's what I do. I was not going in debater mode. I was trying to understand her. I was trying to understand her point of view. I was trying to make her feel comfortable and make her feel welcomed. That's it. That's it. So in that instance, I think I do everything I could do. And I've heard back from some of you. Some of my my followers have not commented on the interview. And that kind of makes me wonder. Hmm. But I've heard back from some of you. Some of you have said, well, Christian, you know, this was a good interview. So I just, sometimes I don't know. But I enjoyed the experience. I wish you would have shared it. But I think it is a good interview by itself. You don't need the valid you don't even need the validation of the interviewer to know it's a good interview. It's a good interview because I put my heart and mind into it and I asked good questions and it was a good conversation. So that was that. The Scott Bayo interview. is gonna be even more fascinating, I think. I suspect. Because Scott Bayo is a legend, my friends. And so I'm very excited. That's coming up this Saturday. Uh it'll be out around nighttime. Nighttime. So I am just very excited, my friends, because that's going to be wonderful. We're going to discuss a lot of things about Hollywood. we so talk to us about to you about know, his career, his legendary career, his singing career even. <laughs> because his singing career, people don't know. He had a small singing career, but it was legendary too, in my opinion. I loved it. So I'm very excited for that. Anyway, GameStop. So let's go through what happened here. If you guys are not familiar with what happened. So, GameStop, I used to shop there when I was young, a long, young kid. Before the age of online gaming, I used to play console games. Console games are basically games like PS2, PS4, Xbox. Anything that you can physically touch with a, control, a controller and a joystick, that's a console game. Um, over the past decade or so, a different gaming medium has arisen called Steam. Steam is an online gaming me- medium. So, that means you can just go on your computer, you can buy a game on Steam, you can play it. You don't need a console. You don't need a particular brand. You don't need to go out and buy a physical copy. You can just go on Steam. You can buy something on Steam. So, GameStop and most brick-and-mortar stores in general have been having a hard time competing with the digital environment. You know, after Steam came out, I don't think I ever bought another physical copy game. I think, um... I can remember... um, I can remember buying one, maybe. That was just for nostalgia purposes. Last time I was in the GameStop was about a few months ago, for nostalgia purposes as well. There was one in the strip mall near where I live, so I just went into the GameStop and I just looked around and I talked to the the, the cashier, and he said, "Well, Christian, you know, I thought I told my name. You know, it's your uh, you're picking a very interesting time to get back involved in gaming. It's has uh, been a wild world, I'm like it has." could have fooled me. <laughs> I, I didn't know. And of course, I never got back into gaming. Pens of politics. Reading is my love. As I show you guys, you know, I have a lot of books that I have either read or need to c- complete. A lot of books. Like, I'm showing you on my camera right now. I don't have time for video games. This is one of the best books ever, by the way. God of the Machine by... St- Uh, Isabel Patterson, she's one of the most profound American minds to ever exist. Brilliant lady. But I just don't have time, my friends. I don't have time. I don't have time for video games. I don't have time for online games. I don't have time for it. It's just I can't do it and still maintain my ascent upwards. I can't do it. I have a bunch of books over here, of course, as well, and some over there. I just don't have time for it. So when I heard GameStop in the news... I figured, oh, this definitely has to be do with you know them shutting down again because a year or so ago they shut down like 400 locations across the country. Like they were cutting back because they're struggling. They're really, really struggling. So when I saw the news, I was shocked. So what happened was, hedge fund managers all the time engaged in something called short selling where they underestimate or they they devalue the value of a stock because it's not performing very well. <clears throat> and so they make bets on that stock's failure, basically. And if they're wrong, they have to pay up to cover themselves, cover their credibility. Well, a ragtag team of Redditors, if you guys don't know what Reddit is, Reddit is an internet messaging board, which I love Reddit. It's wonderful. I think it could be a tool for good or for bad. Or just for chaos, as this instant has shown, a Reddit ragtag team banded together, and they decided they were going to purchase shares. Basically, purchase, buy the GameStop stock. Stock. It was around 14 or 15 dollars a share. So that means that if you wanted to invest in GameStop, you just spent 15, 14 dollars. You can buy as many as you want, typically. And, of course, the more shares that are bought, the higher the stock goes up. So, these people made the stock share price go up. It it was at $400 on Wednesday yesterday. And, of course, things have developed since then. But they quite literally just began pouring money into GameStop, pouring money into so many... It was it, it, It was... It was a wonderful sight to see, in my opinion, because it just showed how the consumers can drive the market, how the consumers can drive the value of a product, even if the big cats, the hedge fund managers, say, you know what, this is not what we think it is. However, it also shows the folly of a sort of primitive understanding of the stock market, and then acting with that primitive understanding. Because look, I think hedge fund managers know better than a lot of ragtag people on making bets. A lot of day traders. I think hedge fund managers understand the mechanics of the market much better. This is akin to uh, a a a a twelve-year-old boy saying, "Mommy, why or Daddy, why can't I go out into the uh, uh, soccer field today and play soccer in the pouring rain where there's a tornado expected?" Well, I don't want you to get hurt, honey. I think that it's dangerous. Well, how about another day? Mommy, why in the world won't you let me go? And he just pouts and screams and throws his stuff aside and walks away. That's what this is. The hedge fund managers are saying, look, due to the market trends and due to the advent of online gaming, GameStop is not doing very well. Therefore, we don't think it's going to last very long. That's not a fatalistic move. It's just them saying something. Now, look, GameStop is expected to make a profit by 2023. So it was expected to have some chance to come up. The hedge fund managers are not sitting there dictating things to the market. They're simply saying, look, guys, we don't think, based on the trends, which have nothing to do with us, nothing at all, that this is going to work. That's all we're saying. And yet, a bunch of presumptuous folks decided to go in and just buy stock. And of course, GameStop went up 120, three percent It just kept going up and up and up. And now, a lot of these apps that people can go in and invest and trade in have restricted the sale of GameStop. So, after they had made waves with GameStop, they decided to also go over to AMC and make waves over there. AMC stock went up. Now, they try to go over to Nokia. So, after GameStop, the apps that people trade in have quickly said, you know what we got gotta stop this no no, no so they restricted it now I have a problem with that obviously I don't think that you should be restricting the sale of these stocks i I just i I, I look there is a level of fealty towards the hedge managers that some of these places have. they have a lot at stake here their credibility and I, I and, and their money. So I get get that. And if this really is just an aberration of the market, which I really do, I think it is, this can't go on forever, then you should just let it play out. Let it happen. Seriously, this is a mechanic of the market for um, traders and investors to show their their consent or assent to certain things. But uh, this has been turned into some sort of Le Misérables class warfare thing. Where now it's almost entirely about the fact that the hedge fund managers are supposedly very rich which well, they are and the people who are not who are trading at these obscene amounts are not very rich and many of them are college students so they're trying to fight back against, against the the big fat cats and so Jacobin comes out and says, "Well, this shows how capitalism can't work." So Someone looking at a trend and saying, your company is not doing very well, and I'm going to put money on that. I'm going to put my money where my mouth is on that sentiment. Is capitalism not working? Of course it is capitalism working. Value is very subjective. As this dynamic shows, we could argue... That the people buying shares in GameStop see GameStop as a valuable thing. You could argue that. You could you could easily argue that, although I think they primarily primarily just did it to stick to the hedge fund managers. But still, and there is a mechanic in the market for people to show that sentiment. So I don't buy this idea. I don't buy this argument that this is a defect of capitalism. It is not. It actually shows the glory of capitalism. Being able to put your resources behind what you believe and create value for the external source and yourself that you believe in. The stock market is a two-way street most of the time. Now, of course, you do bet a lot, which is why it's probably better to just do long-term stable investing as opposed to this day-trading nonsense. People are like, Christian, you need to go in, you need to buy Nokia, you need to buy GameStop. like, look, I'm a college student. I don't have the funds to begin doing all that crazy stuff. And Even if I did, I wouldn't take advice from people on that. Warren Buffett has been the guru of this kind of stuff. I wouldn't take advice from people on Reddit. I just wouldn't. It's not who I am. So I, I think that we have to understand the dynamics of this thing here. This is not about class warfare. This is not about Trumpism. This is not about some righteous um, crusade against the rich people. This is simply about the mechanics of the market and valuing certain things over the consensus of society. That's all this entire exchange is about here. I think once we recognize that, this becomes much less pernicious. Right? Of course, the uh, the traders and the stock watchers are going crazy. They're, they're going to go crazy. Irregularity. Irregularity in the stock market, as you guys should un- understand, if you're into finance, is not something that is coveted. Irregularity is something that is that is, that is uh, avoided. Speculation is, tends to be a bad thing. We don't want that, apparently. So when this happens, you're undermining the, the wisdom of a lot of people who have put their money where their mouth is. So... I just think this is a very interesting dynamic. It is a contest of will at this point. But I don't see there's anything to lose our heads over. It is a temporary aberration. And these apps that are restricting trading, what if these people simply go to other stocks and begin trading trading there as well, as they have already done? Do you restrict it there? You're going to come to a point where you're going to basically make it very hard for these stocks to have any valuation in the market. And these companies will suffer for that, and there will be hell to pay. So stop trying to control this stuff and simply let it happen. It will die out. I'm positive it will. The hedge fund managers, well, you ought to make better bets. (laughs) You ought to make better bets. These people should consider the totality of the digital era and how easy it is for things to change on a dime when action is asserted towards it collectively. That's just the truth, my friends. All right, we're coming up on a break. And so if you guys could just do me a favor. Please subscribe to Depends of Politics on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on uh, wherever you get your podcast at. Please subscribe to Pens Politics there. Um, subscribe to us on YouTube, Christian Watson. That is my YouTube channel, Christian Watson. Subscribe there as well. Like, comment, and share this video, this um, podcast episode. This is very important for us to get, my friends. We're doing our best. To be the best we can be and to rise above the noise and the chatter and provide you a pensive philosophical take on everyday current events. So, when we come back, talk about Biden and his great reset and his abortion fetishism. (laughs) On this episode of Pensive Politics, Mr. Watson, I love you guys. See you. friends hello how are we doing today back with me again your host christian watson so yeah we just talked about the unfortunate case um of of gamestop and what's going on there again i'll, I'll just wrap up on that because i want to finish this a synopsis of the situation is simply this Hedge fund managers made bets that were at the time good based on that information, and a bunch of people wanted to come in and slight them by buying shares, buying stocks that they decided to fill. The hedge fund managers are now hurting, and certain investing apps like Robinhood are responding in a way to ostensibly protect their customers, but truly protect the, the hedge fund managers, and people are getting mad. Uh, this It's very simple. It's, it's very, very simple, my friends. If consumer confidence comes back in any of these companies, AMC, Nokia, the headphone company, um, GameStop, and people want to legitimately invest, it's going to be harder for them now. It's going to be very harder for them now. So I think that it's wrong to restrict people from being able to put their money in the market. That's wrong. If the hedge fund managers get proven wrong or if they get beat, Oh, well, chin up. You have money, fund managers. Just do your work. Do your work and anticipate the possibility of irregularity. Simple. That's it. All right. Now on to this great reset business. So, I don't think this is a conspiracy theory. I suppose the way it has been talked about has been quite conspiratorial, but it's not anything that you have to theorize about. It's actually occurring in reality. So, there is a slogan associated with the Great Reset, a slogan that almost every single world leader has been using, from Boris Johnson to, to Joe to even uh, Joe Biden, called Build Back Better. Build Back Better. And this is a slogan that's not simply been used in a speech. It is an actual policy plan on JoeBiden.com, the Article t- on Joe Biden's is titled "Build Back Better": Joe Biden's Jobs and Eco- Economic Recovery Plan for Working Families. Build Back Better: Joe Biden's Jobs and Economic Recovery Plan for Working Families. So, Build Back Better simply means that these countries are going to build in a, a post-COVID economy back better. Now, what does that mean? For because for those of us who understand that the economy comes from the down from from the From the the down up, that the economy is the sum of a bunch of micro-interactions coming together and fusing the creative energy to produce value, to produce things, to produce businesses, to produce things that eventually come up into the atmosphere as vapors of excellence and affect the country. For those of us who have this correct understanding of the economy, the government doesn't build back better or does not have the legitimate station to or doesn't even have the ability to build back better. We have the ability— To build back better. We have legitimacy. The only legitimacy to build back better. Or to just build our economy back up from what the government has done over the past year or so. Which means shut it down and slap businesses with fines if they disagree. Ask Kate Brown in Oregon. Ask her. She just charged a very popular gym $120,000 for defying her lockdown restrictions. Build back better? Let's read this. So the plan on on Biden's website says, Joe Biden believes that, to his core, there's no greater engine in the world other than the hard work and ingenuity of the American people. No one, nobody, has more respect for the working women and men who get up every day to build and sustain the country, or are more confidence that they can meet the challenges we face. Make no mistake, America has been knocked down. The unemployment rate is higher than it was in the Great Recession. Millions have lost jobs, hours, pay, health care, or the small business they've they started though through no fault of their own. I agree, Biden. It was no fault of their own. It was because many progressive consciousnesses, many progressive governors have decided to shut down and seize the American economy um, out of this sort of out the pseudo-altruistic behavior to protect all of us from ourselves. Rather than let, let everybody make their own determination, let everybody make their own decision based on their own data and their own needs. So I agree. It was no fault of their own. It was the fault of people who think like you. Here's where Biden's wretched economic ideology comes in. He says, The pandemic has also laid bare some unacceptable truths. Even before COVID-19, the Trump administration was pulling economic policies that rewarded wealth over work and corporations over working families. You see how the, how, how neat this sophistry sounds? Wealth over work and corporations over working families. How is wealth produced? This sentence presupposes that wealth was produced through not working. Was it produced through thievery, Joe Biden? That's how the government produces this wealth, through thievery. And that's how the engine for your plan would be sustained, through thievery, through, through taxation. And then there's this dynamic again, this class warfare dynamic that's began with Marx and has come up to modern progressivism, which analyzes the, the, the economy between corporations and working families, the false economy between those things. Working families in rural West Virginia or in rural Appalachia, if there's a Walmart near them, that's actually a blessing for them. That's probably the most efficient way for them to buy, the most cheapest way for them to buy their products. There is no tension between corporations and working families. There's only a tension between cronyism and everyone else. There's cronyism, there's subsidies, which many corporations covet, then there's everyone else. There's no true tension between a big business and a working family by size alone or by activities alone. There's no tension. Yet Biden is suggesting this stuff because he is... Trying to deceitfully woo people into believing that corporations are where we need to direct our ire towards. Why not direct your ire towards the government that shut us down for so many months and so many and so many almost a year now? Why not direct your ire towards Andrew Cuomo who had to be overturned by a judge using a utilitarian calculus to determine you're not being rational here, Cuomo? Why do you have more restrictions in places that have lower hospitalization rates rather than places that have? more. What's going on? Why are you doing this? And then Cuomo comes back and says, well, you know what? We need to open up the economy again. What in the world? The Bowser in D.C. keeps the economy down for so long, and then she's like, well, you know, we need to open up again. Owners, please stop boarding up your windows. Open up again. What? Ladies and gentlemen, this entire Build Back Better nonsense Is simple sophistry. Dressed up in class warfare rhetoric. That's it. The sophists of ancient Greek would be very very proud. It is simple sophistry. And he says, too many families were struggling to make ends meet. And too many parents were worried about the economic future for their children. And black and Latino Americans, here we go, the identity politics stuff, Native Americans, immigrants, and women have never been welcomed as full participants in the economy. Also, again, do you view the economy as this ma- this massive organism which operates according to the rules of a central planner, which Biden obviously believes, or is the economy nothing more than the micro-interactions, that birth greatness, that birth value, that birth institutions that get these things? What is the economy, Joe Biden? The economy is not this organism, this mass that can be neatly measured. The economy is not this thing that you can poke the stick and get to a certain result. The economy is nothing more than the exchange of value between individuals, the multiplied, habituated Exchange of value between individuals, which eventually boils up and becomes something like vapors in the sky, something great, something wonderful, something prosperous for a lot of people. But it always begins, its conception, its genesis begins with the individual. So, what in the world are you talking about that we're not welcome as full participants in the economy? Have you seen Detroit? Have you seen Chicago? Have you seen Atlanta? Have you seen DC? Many of those businesses are black owned businesses. Many of them can get grants and, and loans for their businesses. Some have tax credits. Black entrepreneurship is way up. The, and to conflate the situation between African Americans and Latino Americans and Native Americans as all being one and the same is to ignore the importance of individuality. We need to stop looking at aggregates, stop looking at these trends, and understand that not every black person, not every Latino person, are damned to a particular set of circumstances. Some may be, and some may not be. The only reliable way is to look as localized as you can and stop making these broad assertions which do nothing to take into account externalities that relate to individual activity and relate to all kinds of other things. ridiculous. So I'm not going to read this entire thing, but I'm going to go, here are some of the things that Biden suggests to correct these supposed injustices. Biden will also, sorry, okay. Biden will also provide further immediate relief to working families, small businesses, and local communities. Biden will provide state, local, and tribal governments with the aid they need so educated fire, firefighters and other essential workers are not being laid off. Isn't it funny who they, they deem essential workers? That this, this category is so arbitrary, who they deem essential workers. I think every worker is an essential worker. If you're providing value to someone, you're an essential worker. See, when you have this, ma- this idea of a society as an organism and not society as an interaction of individuals, you will be able to arbitrarily deem certain people more valuable than other people, and you'll be able to devalue the worth of other people. Again, we have to stop engaging in these principled fallacies. These are fallacies from the pits of the netherworld. Stop it. So he wants to extend COVID crisis unemployment insurance to help those who are out of work. And he wants to prepare a package for Main Street businesses and entrepreneurs. Well, the best way you can do all of this stuff is by getting the hell out of the way, by ending the lockdowns, by not mandating masks, by not mandating all this stuff. It is literally restricting a business's ability to grow. That is the best way you can achieve all of these aims, Joe Biden. That is the best way. Why won't you do it? Oh, I know why. Because it's not really about adhering to the true principles that manifest this country. It's not really about adhering to the laws of economics. It's not really about adhering to the laws of reality. It's about building a utopia predicated upon falsehoods. That's what it's about. He mentions the need for a clean energy future. He wants to mobilize across the the board to advance racial equity in America. He wants to extend affordable housing to black Americans, Latinos, and wants to make economic opportunity equal. Look, my friends, these are fantasy ideas. I want everyone to have opportunity to succeed. But the idea of having equal opportunity to succeed for everyone, your opportunity is not going to always be the same as someone else's, and that's not a bad thing. It's okay for you to have a different path to success than someone else. It's okay for you to have a different background than someone else. You are not defined by your circumstances or by the arbitrary characteristics that you build, that you bear. You are defined by who you truly are. And who you truly are is reflected by the contents of your mind, um, filtered through your heart. That is who you truly are. But Biden doesn't believe that. doesn't believe that. So to build back better, Biden wants the government to seize control of the economy, basically, to invest, that means to control, to rebrand the economy in this sort of uh, paradigm of racial justice and social justice, and to quite literally cut off certain appendages of the economy that are essential to parts of the country. He wants to usurp your rights. To engage in the kind of activity that you want to engage in. You don't believe me? You don't believe me? John Kerry said yesterday. That he wants oil. That that Joe Biden wants oil producers and gas workers to have better options. And that's why he is pushing clean energy down their throats. That's what John Kerry said. That's what John Kerry said. He had the men, the temerity to say that. John Kerry said this is from the CBS News. CBS News says 22 hours ago, John Kerry says oil and gas workers have been fed a false narrative that action on climate change will hurt their livelihoods and that President Biden wants to make sure those folks have better choices for jobs in the energy sector, so you have a multiple things coming on in this, this thing. You have an assumption that Joe Biden, the central planner, knows what is best for people's lives. That is false, he does not know what's best for people's lives on a material level. They, these planners cannot go in and they don't have the ability to measure every single thing, every single value which goes into producing what is best for our lives. They just cannot do that because some things are seen and some things are unseen. Bastia understood this, it's not much. Number one, uh, number two. He is deceptively cloaking the fact that this will absolutely hurt their livelihoods by replacing their jobs and basically making them go and acquire a very different skill they may not have the time or the money or the ability to do. They are going to usurp the groundwork of American energy independence, destroy rights in the process, or hurt rights in the process, and replace it for what they think you should do. This is the arrogance of the Biden administration. This is the tyranny of the Biden administration. This is the tyranny of the false intelligentsia that sits in academia and tries to dictate what they think is correct onto all of you. These flawed arguments, these rights violations, must not happen. And speaking of rights violations, Joe Biden is showing that he doesn't really care about life. Or if he does care about life, he's not showing that by his actions. This is from Politico. An article says, Biden starts rolling back Trump anti-abortion rules. President Joe Biden will sign executive orders on Thursday aimed at rolling back some of the Trump administration's most far-reaching abortion restrictions, including one denying USAID to health care that have provide information about the procedure. The actions will begin restoring federal support to to abortion providers and organizations that offer abortion counseling while promoting the new administration's reproductive rights agenda on the global stage. Biden is set to sign one order resigning the so-called Mexico City policy, a rule barring U.S. foreign aid from going to any organization that provides abortions or abortion counseling that the... Um, Trump administration expanded over his four years in office. The decades-old funding ban has been killed and reinstated several times by presidents along party lines, and has been in effect for 20 of the past 35 years. Biden's chief medical advisor, Anthony Fauci, we know him, unfortunately, previewed the policy change last week during an address to the World Health Organization, saying that it was part of the new administration's broader commitment to protect women's health and advance gender equality at home and around the world. So, we understand what the problem with this is. First of all, this nothing out of life is not a gender equality issue, actually. It is an issue of unequal p- p- proportions. And again, this egalitarian idea of equality, the government forcing that through certain actions, it can't, it can't be obtained, my friends. That's a metaphysical value. We are all equal in our freedom, we're all equal in our value as human beings. But we are not equal, so to speak, in every facet of life. And there are certain things that will differ that may not have to, have to do with our gender. It may have to do with other, other factors that may correspond to an understanding of our genders. See, our understanding of our conditions seems to be more powerful than our conditions themselves. right? If you believe Joe Biden, gender equality, women are inherently disadvantaged. But when you look at the studies they cite, And you explain the distinctions and the disparities by taste and not by injustices. You know, people don't rethink. They just tend to divert to something else. So these buzzwords, which mean absolutely nothing, they have no philosophical philosophical basis, are just being used to push forward coercive policies. And the fact that you can justify, again, the 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 financing of organizations, That slaughter babies. And yes, that's what they do. Life begins at conception. The moment sperm meets egg, there we go. The fact that you can finance that and do it under the broad uh, guise of equality just shows how demented some of these individuals truly are. It shows how demented and confused these ideas are. It's not benevolent to do that. Domestically, Biden will additionally sign a memorandum directing the Department of Health and Human Services to review and consider scrapping the Trump administration's rule that overhaul the title uh, X, Federal Family Planning Program, Stripping tens of millions of dollars in grants from Planned Parenthood and other abortion providers. So essentially, Biden is going to go back and fund Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood, which has been caught doing several unethical things. So I don't understand what the principal basis is for the government funding a private activity. Can you get that from me? I don't don't like it when it happens with uh, businesses. I don't like it when it happens with anything. There's no legitimate basis for it. The government has a few key functions, defense, contracts, that's about it, and protection of private property. There's nothing legitimate about the government putting money in organizations for private interest, um, and most certainly putting money into ones that have a history of unethical actions that have been exposed time 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 and time and time and time and time and time and time again. So uh, we really have, we're at a crossroads here, my friends. Biden is not the shiny moderate that people are painting him as. Or perhaps he is, but he's being guided by some very immoderate forces. And it's concerning, this idea of moderation that comes from the ancient Greek philosophical canon is concerning. One of my favorite authors, Rosewood Rose Lane, who wrote The Discovery of Freedom, Actually, I have a book right down here, I think. I have a book right here. Um, Right here. One of the best books ever written, I think. She said, don't tell me about the middle of the road. Tell me about where the road leads to. We're seeing where this road leads to. We're seeing where this idea of equality and egalitarianism dressed up in this very ornate garb leads to we see where these notions lead to it leads to the violation of rights the destruction of our free will and what we decide to do and what the ventures we decide to carry out we see where this stuff leads to i don't care about the middle of the road I don't care about being moderate. How can someone be moderate in the face of a clear choice of injustice or justice? I want to be radical for justice. It is not just to begin financing the extermination. All let's not even do that. It's not just to begin financing private activities that do not correlate with the government's legitimate core functions philosophically. It is not just to begin telling oil workers and gas workers, many of which have produced billions of dollars and have reinvigorated economies in the Midwest, Texas, and even in California has a potential to, they just don't want to do it. In Alaska, it is not just tell them to go take a hike. It is not just to try to usurp the independent economy, and bring it under this sort of egalitarian dictatorship which tries to establish false ideas of how people act. It is not just to reduce African Americans to an aggregate. It is not just to reduce Native Americans and Latino Americans and women to an aggregate. It is not just to do anything that would take away from my individuality and take away from the exercise of my rights. It is not just. So if the road leads to injustice, Let me be on the furthest side of that road towards justice. Damn the middle of the road. No. Moderates are concerning to me. Well, I'm a moderate. I want to do all the... I don't care if you're a moderate. Well, first of all, if you're listening to me, you're moderate. Good for you, man. I love you. Not. It's not directed towards you. This is directed towards the moderates who do unjust things in the pursuit of their goals. That is never okay. Think on it. As always, my friends, though, we got to go for a little bit. Um, well, This will be the, the last moments of our show. Again, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, wherever you get your podcasts at, YouTube, Christian Watts, depends Pensive Politics. Um, we're going to have another show tomorrow and on Saturday with Scott Bale. But as always, my friends, please, most certainly, stay pensive. I love you. Bye-bye.